Thanks for joining us at Reveal, a Jesus-centered community. To learn more about us and what's going on, check us out on the web at www.revealvineyard.com. We hope in the minutes to come, you're able to find God, find others, and find yourself. Thanks again for listening. We're on week three of our series called More Than Christian. And you might be surprised to learn as we've been talking that the term Christian uh, is not uh, used all that often in the Bible. Matter of fact, it's only used three times. It was never a term that Jesus used to describe his followers, and nor was it a term that the followers of Jesus used to describe themselves. Uh, if you would ask any first century follower of Jesus, what are you? No one would have said, well, I'm a Christian. They would have said, I am a disciple. That's the word that Jesus used to describe his followers, not the term Christian, but he used the word disciples. And we said that a disciple is a learner. A disciple is a follower. A disciple is apprentice or a pupil. In other words, a disciple is someone who is trying to become like the person they follow. So they model their life after their teacher, after their rabbi, or after their master, because they're a disciple. I'm trying to become like the person that I am following. So when Jesus refers to his followers, or when he refers to us as disciples, he is saying that I'm expecting that my followers are becoming more like me, that they are following me, that they are modeling their life after my life, and they are becoming more like me, that we are taking up his ways, that our lives increasingly look more like his. Christian today can mean almost anything. You can define Christian however you want because Christian isn't defined in the Bible, but you take on the label of disciple and now things begin to change. Matter of fact, the word disciple should disturb us just a little bit. The word disciple should cause us to give pause. The word disciple carries weight and it carries uh, uh, meaning. See, this is why Jesus said, before you come after me, before you choose to be my disciple, you need to count the cost. In other words, I want you to weigh what you're about to do. Crowds constantly following Jesus uh, to get in on the miracles, to hear the words of wisdom and the teaching and to see all the miraculous that's going on. Maybe they're there for the free lunch. And at some point, Jesus always told the crowd, look, I realize following me now has been easy, but if you really want to follow, If you want to be my disciple, then you need to count the cost because you need to know what you're signing up for. If you want to be my disciple, I'm just not asking you to believe. Faith is not just going to be an addition to your life. Faith will be a restructuring of life itself. So count the cost if you want to be my disciple. See, you can hide, we can hide behind Christian, and I can define, redefine, undefine Christian all day, every day, until Christian becomes something that I'm comfortable with. And that goes on in culture all the time, that you can define, redefine, undefine, until it makes you comfortable. But a disciple is defined for us. A disciple uh, of Jesus is simply becoming more like Jesus. We would ask the question, Jesus, how would you handle this situation? Because that's how I want to handle it, because I'm your disciple. Jesus, what are your thoughts? What do you think about this? Because what you think is what I think, because I'm your disciple. Jesus, where are you going? Because where you go is where I want to go, because I'm your disciple. I'm modeling my life after you. I want to be more like you. A disciple is far more limited. And so lately I find myself 
distancing myself from the term Christian. Someone asked me if I'm a Christian. I, I first want to know, well, how do you define that term Christian? Because a lot of things have attached themselves uh, to the Christian faith that I really don't want anything to do with. That there are beliefs and practices and assumptions that have attached themselves to Christianity that is not just, just not who I am and what I want to be about. So you can believe just about anything and you can practice just about anything today under the umbrella of Christian. Throughout history, Christian has been on every side of almost every issue, each claiming that they've landed on the side of Christian or on the side of Christ. Whether it be in politics or immigration, or whether it be on capital punishment or war or morality or civil rights, Christian on the complete polar opposite sides, because you can define Christian almost any way that you want. But disciple is predefined. Disciple narrows our options, because a disciple is simply becoming like Jesus. So you may not like everything that Jesus said, but you can never accuse Jesus of bait and switch. He was extremely clear from the beginning when he unpacked what it will mean to be his disciple. He was crystal clear on that. Matthew 5 is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Crowds were following Jesus after seeing all kinds of miracles uh, through uh, Galilee. And and so uh, crowds were following him. And it says that not just crowds from a few cities, but multiple cities in the entire region. And so Jesus goes up on a mount and he addresses these people. And it's known as the Sermon on a Mount. And here is Jesus' first public address. And this is where Jesus begins to, to unpack. He lays the foundation for a new move of God. On the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus introduces a new value system and a new way of thinking and new habits, new behaviors of those who will be his disciples. Where he says, look, my disciples, if you're coming after me, if you're going to be my disciples, my disciples are humble. And my disciples are meek and they are merciful and they are pure of heart. My disciples, he says, will be peacemakers. Others may run towards anger. My disciples will run towards peace. While others drift towards wickedness, he says, my disciples will pursue righteousness. And then he continues and says that my disciples will be the salt of the earth, and a salt is a preservative. And you know what happens without preservatives, things stink and things rot. And so Jesus says, if you're my disciple, then you are the salt of the earth, you are the flavor of society. And he doesn't end there, he says, but not only will you be the salt, but you will be the light. In other words, you will illuminate the night, you will push back the darkness, and Jesus is laying the foundation for this new move of God and says, here's what it looks like to be my disciples. Now we fast forward, May 19th, 2019, and I'm not sure that these are terms that we can use to describe the state of Christian today. I'm not sure if society would look at Christian and say, oh, they are humble, and they're meek, And they're merciful and they're pure. And Christians, yeah, they're peacemakers. Christians, they are the salt and light of culture. I don't think that's what would be said about us today. Sadly, and I hate to say this, but sometimes it seems like Christians are the meanest and most unhappy people on the planet. It seems like some Christians walk around just perpetually upset and offended by something in culture. That seems like Christians walk around. I remember when I was a young adult in the church that I was in, I would look at the generation above me and say, what's wrong with these people? They're miserable, right? It seems that way that there are some who walk around with a perpetual righteous scowl showing their disapproval for everything in culture. 
There are some that take it upon themselves to, uh, to be the, the police of all things wrong in culture, that they need to uncover all the, the schemes of, of, the, of evil in culture. Some of you, you won't remember this because you're too young, but do you remember back in the day, this, the term called backward masking? Do you remember that one? You remember that? If you don't know what it is, here's what it is. That it, there are subliminal messages in albums that you can only hear if you play the message, the record backwards. Now, I don't know who plays a record backwards, but anyways, there was a message that was subliminal and there were conferences and youth groups would go to these things and they would scare the hell out of you, literally, of listening to the devil's music and they would, say, they would play things over and over and over again until you heard what was on the record being played backwards. One of the same was, was this it was it's fun to smoke marijuana that's what it said and I think you had to be on marijuana to hear what it was saying I'm serious and they would play it over and over and over and I'm I'm embarrassed to say that 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 my tribe actually spent time on stuff like this some of you won't remember this either but there was a time when 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 uh uh the mark of the beast 666 was said to be in the Procter and Gamble logo serious and christians were boycotting p and g don't brush your teeth with them or you're supporting satanism god forbid you brought old spice to youth camp right you were like suddenly the devil's child and we spent time on this stuff right now we got all worked up and all of these things and it's really hasn't changed i mean really we kind of just we, we've shifted from one things to the next on our holy crusade pointing out everything that's wrong with culture, pointing out everything that we're against in culture. Listen, Christians have spent so much time building a platform of what we're against, we've neglected to establish the foundation of what we're for. And today I'm afraid that culture mainly knows Christian for what we stand against. And we're developing a reputation that was not supposed to be pinned to us, not what we were supposed to be branded with. Today, we're, we're known more for what we're against than what we're for. And as a result, the thing that we should be known for, according to Jesus, is probably the last thing that society would use to describe Christian. Jesus says it like this. By this, by this one thing, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you just love one another. Do you know how the early church changed the world? Listen. It wasn't by digging in their heels and picking a fight with culture. You know how early church, the early church changed the world? They weren't the moral police on a righteous mission from God. They weren't drafting a list of things that must change in culture. Instead, they simply modeled the life of their master. And they lived according to their value system. They were servants, and they sacrificed for the betterment of society, and they loved in such a way that culture could not help but take notice. And when the time was right, they were dot connectors. They connected the dot between their action, between their extraordinary love, and the Jesus that they serve. And slowly, slowly, it changed the world. But it wasn't because of all the things that we stood against. It was because we lived for that which we stood for. And we lived for it in such a way that society and culture had to take notice. And we have to get back to that lifestyle today if we're going to redeem the term as Christian little Christ. And we've missed it. We've missed it. And so I want to just kind of explore this idea today. 
by this one thing, the world will know that you're mine. If you simply can love like I loved you, Jesus said. Meaning it's not by your church attendance. It's not by your Facebook rant that's either for or against the current president. It's not by your t-shirt that says one cross plus three nails equals four given. Catchy, catchy, right? It's not because you pre-programmed K-Love into all 12 presets of your radio in your car. The world will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. Listen, did you know that there was a time in history that even if you didn't want Jesus, even if you rejected Jesus and all of his claims of being God, even if you wanted nothing to do with the faith, you could not, you could not ignore how his disciples lived and loved in the community. You may not want Jesus, but you had to take notice of what is with these people and how do they love and serve and sacrifice in a way that no one else does. And you know what? That's just not said anymore today. Sadly, it's, it's the Christians that are causing people to reject Jesus even more. And so maybe, maybe we, need to, we need to try a different approach. Let me just break down three thoughts for you. And then I'll, I'll release you. Here, here's my thought. Christian versus disciple. Christian is comfortable. Disciple is painful. See, Christian is tweaked and bent and edited over time until it becomes a form that's most comfortable for its followers. Do you know that a lot of people go to church just because they found a church that's comfortable for them? We want a church that's going to say what we want to hear. We want a church that's going to fit into our ethos. We want a church that's going to fit into our, our personality and our style. And so we naturally want to find something. And all of us, we have this tendency. We naturally want to find something that feels good to us. And so we cling to parts of Christianity that make sense or resonate with us or, 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 or uh, uh, back up what we want. And we reject the other parts. And so we create a designer God or a designer faith of sorts that is made in our image. Christian has been sold today as almost a self-help solution. Come to Christ and have all of your problems solved immediately. Come to Christ and, 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 and find a prosperity. Come to Christ and have all of your needs met. It's kind of a, a, a false bill of goods. Christians can easily become about what's in it for me. Christian can become about how is it going to move my kingdom forward, but disciple requires sacrifice. And sacrifice is painful. Disciple really isn't about me. Disciple is about being a cause that is greater than me. Disciple's not worried about building my kingdom. A disciple is more concerned about building his kingdom. This is why Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he said, pray to the Father and say, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. But when I pray, thy kingdom come, I'm really praying, let my kingdom go. When I'm praying, thy kingdom come, I'm also praying, let my kingdom cease. And that's difficult because no one wants to give up their kingdom. No one wants to give up their plans and their desires and what they want out of life. But here's what Jesus is telling us. As a disciple, we are more concerned with the kingdom of God coming than we are of our own kingdom. And so as we pray, thy kingdom come, we're saying, God, let my kingdom go. Let this not be about me, but let this be about you. Jesus says it clearly that a disciple, you must die to yourself. You will surrender things that you think you own. But this is what it means to be a disciple. And this is why Jesus says, you best count 
the cost. Because you must decrease that I may increase. Christian is comfortable. Disciple is painful. Here's another thought. Christian is sanitary. Disciple is messy. Christian has everything in its place. Everything that I'm comfortable with. Don't ask me to do too much. Uh, uh, you know, let, let me keep things clean and orderly. I have a schedule that I'm used to. But disciple is messy. Disciples get their hands dirty. That we are the hands and feet, and so we go where Jesus goes. That we sacrifice our time to serve. And we live on less that we may be generous givers. And we toil and we strive and we sacrifice, not because it's easy, but because it's worth it. So you can be a Christian and never get your hands dirty, but if you're a disciple, you play in the dirt because Jesus spent his time in the dirt. Right? He says, look, I didn't come for the people that had it all together. I came for those that were sick. And you know where the sick are? The sick are hanging out in the dirt. The sick are in the places that other people don't want to go. And so you can be a Christian and you can never have dirt under your nails. But if you're a disciple, you have dirt under your nails because you are going where Jesus goes because he is our master and we are his disciple. Listen to what sociologist Rodney Spark says about the early church. He says, plagues and fires and natural disasters and devastations from riots or wars were semi-regular occurrences in the cities which the early Christians called home. What distinguished early disciples was their response to these all-too-frequent calamities. Instead of fleeing to the countryside to escape the most recent plague, they stayed and cared for the sick and the dying. He says, the power of Christianity lay not in its promise of otherworldly compensations for the sufferings in this life, as has so often been proposed. No, he says. The crucial change that took place in the third century was the rapid spreading of awareness of faith that delivered potent antidotes to life miseries here and now, meaning that Christians stepped in to the worst possible scenarios and said, how can we serve you? The truly revolutionary aspect of Christianity lay in its moral imperative, such as love one another as, yourself, as oneself. Do unto others as you would do unto you. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when you did it to the least of my brethren, you did it unto me. These, he says, were these were not just slogans. Members did nurse the sick, even during epidemics. They did support orphans and widows and the elderly and the poor. They did concern themselves with the lot of slaves. In short, Christians created a miniature welfare state and an empire which for the most part lacked social services. It was these responses to the long-standing misery of life in antiquity, not the onset of worse conditions. That were the material changes that inspired Christian growth. Here's what he's saying. He's saying the early disciples of Jesus lived out their value system so strongly that they eventually kind of permeated culture. And when culture went into the tubes, it was the disciples that were there showing love and sacrifice. And they were the meek and they were the humble and they were the servants and they were the peacemakers and they did what others would not. And eventually, slowly over time, it changed the world. Why invest in a culture like this? Why be so concerned with the plight of others? Why sacrifice and why risk your life and why give and why serve? Because they simply ask the question, what would our master do? What would Jesus do in this situation? And that was clear. So you can live under Christian and keep your hands clean, but if you're a disciple and you say what would Jesus would do, you know where Jesus would have been. And so his disciples followed him. Roman Emperor Julian, um, who was known as Julian the Apostate, um, 
came out against Christianity, declared his conversion to paganism. Uh, In 362, he complained to a letter of one of the high priests uh, in Galatia that the pagans needed to equal the virtues of the Christian. And what was happening is the disciples were, were, were filling in the gaps and they were serving not just themselves, but they were serving all of culture. And so people were becoming people of faith because of how the Christians loved, because of how the disciples served, and because of how they sacrificed. And it caught people's attention. And so Julian was like, hey, 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 we're losing people from our pagan religion to this new faith. And so he writes a letter trying to get the pagan temples to step up their game where he says, I think that when the poor happen to be neglected and overlooked by the priest, the Galileans observed this and devoted themselves to benevolence. They, right, the disciples, support not only their poor, but ours as well. And everyone can see that our people lack aid from us. In other words, he's saying, these disciples are making us look bad. Amen to that. They're doing things that we're not even doing for our people. Listen to what it says. But his challenge to the temples to match Christian benevolence asked the impossible. Paganism was utterly incapable of generating the commitment needed to motivate such behavior. Why? Because they weren't disciples. They didn't have a master that already modeled what it looks like to go into the dirt and rescue people who are in need. But we have that model for us. This is what a disciple is. This is what a disciple does. Here's my last thought. Christian is safe. Disciple is risky. Today, Christian, it's almost about self-preservation, right? It's about being comfortable. I'll give a little time, a little money, whatever's safe, whatever's easy, whatever I'm used to. This is the way it's been my whole life. This is what my parents did, my grandparents did. It's clean, it's safe, it's predictable. Don't rock the boat. Let me just kind of maintain the status quo. I'm going to come to church when I can. I'm going to serve when I can. I'm going to to do a little bit here and there. But disciple is risky. Disciples are the ones who ask, where is a cause that we can die for? Maybe not literally die, although through history they literally died. But disciples are one saying, what is needed for us to advance this kingdom forward? Here's what's needed. Here's a good example. A disciple would say, where is a cause in this church that would help this church move the message of the kingdom forward? You know what a cause is? It's right through that wall in our children's ministry. That, that, my wife here? (laughs) She is here. It's going to be a good afternoon, I'm telling (laughs) you. There's a good cause for you. A disciple would say, oh, man, but my schedule. A disciple says, yeah, 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 but I'm willing to sacrifice. A Christian would say, it's going uh, to be difficult. And a disciple would say, it's going to be difficult, but this is what I signed up for. A Christian would say, yeah, but you don't know my schedule. A disciple would say, my schedule is busy, but the kingdom is more important. Do you get it? This is how it practically is put into place in a faith that is not just Christian. That could mean anything. Disciple is where it's at disciple it's risky it's painful it's messy during the plagues of the third century large numbers of rulers priests and those who worshiped false gods and even the physicians of of other religions having no anchor for their soul when the plagues broke out man they they literally preserved their life right self-preservation and they took off they left the sick behind without care and without basic necessities of life guess who stepped in to serve those who were sick and dying was the disciples of Jesus. Listen to what I said. 
Dionysius says this in 260 AD. He wrote a, a tribute to the heroic efforts of the local disciples during the great epidemic of that time. And he said, most of our uh, brother Christians showed unbounding love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. And with them, listen, and with them departed this life serenely happy. For they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. Many, in nursing and caring for others, transferred their death to themselves and died in their stead. The Christian, I don't even know what that means anymore. I don't even know what that looks like. I don't even know if I want to be a part of that anymore. It's been so muddied in our culture. But disciple of Jesus, I'm down for that. A disciple learning to be more like Jesus, I'm all for that. I want my life to increasingly begin begin and continue to look like Jesus. Christian can mean anything today. A disciple is pretty well-defined. We are the merciful. We are the servants. We are the humble. We are the peacemakers. We are those that sacrifice for the benefit of others. See, any time that the followers of Jesus or the church leverages anything other than love, we go backwards. There was a moment in history, there were pockets in history, when the followers of Jesus and the church leveraged love and it changed communities. And then there have been other pockets in history when Christians began to rise in influence and effluence and began to rub shoulders and hobnob with people in political arenas and began to be seen as, as, as the uppity and the upper class. And then the church began not to leverage love, but they began to leverage power. And we see this throughout the history of the church. They began to leverage guilt and began to leverage manipulation. And when, when the followers of Jesus and when the church leverages anything other than love, we lose our flavor. And so today, when you leave here, you leverage what you have within you, love. You leverage love to the best of its ability. Everything that you do, let it be birthed out of love. And then when the time is right, you become a dot connector to connect the dots of your actions to Jesus, whom you serve. Do you get it? Christian, eh, that's all right. I'm not saying we quit using the term. We need to put Christ back in the term. But I would ask that maybe we would reconsider, maybe ask ourselves, am I a disciple? Stand with me. I'm going to do what Jesus would do now. And he would go eat some Kona ice. That's what Jesus would do. So. All right, pray with me. Just invite the presence of God. Would you do that yourself? Just ask. Come more, Lord. Just ask for the Holy Spirit of God to come and reveal something to you. Holy Spirit, would you 
speak to us now? Would you give us um, a word, a vision, something pops in our mind's eye, whatever that looks like, however you want to speak to us, an impression. It doesn't have to be anything weird. It's just you speaking to us, and you speak to us through natural ways often. Would you show us what it looks like in our daily lives and our specific circles, what it means to be a disciple? And how we can step in and serve, how our values may be highlighted, how we as individual followers of Christ would be known more for what we stand for than just all the things that we stand against? Would people begin to look at our lives and would they begin to see something beyond us? What does that mean for us today? What does that look like for us today? Be a dot connector. Connect the dots between who you are and the God that you serve. I release you to do that and to be that disciple of Jesus that you desire to be. And so take us from here to go out into the community and let us love in a way that they cannot help but notice there's something different about this group of people who are disciples of Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, next week we end this series. I hope you'll come back for, for that. Uh, for now, spend some time with your church family. Get your kids. Play some cornhole. Hang out. Uh, it's free. Have as much as you want. And uh, load up for it, guys. God bless you. Oh, I still remember how your love changed my life.